0: Good day everyone. Today is the day we find out that we are headed towards the polls. I'm recording this on Sunday, so just for context, Trudeau has just dissolved and called for an election. This obviously means that they likely expect this is their best time, or perhaps they've got a trick up their sleeve. We'll find out. The next 30-some days are likely going to be exciting and terrifying all at once. Uh, full disclosure, I always like to keep my biases open. We all have biases, and I, I can own mine. So without without hesitation, I, I can happily announce that I'm working with a candidate for the PPC in my riding. We're at a point where standing by was, just wasn't an option for me. So I do hope to interview the candidate and uh, get into that more at a later time, but just in hopes of transparency, I do have a clear bias, and my bias is towards freedom. I say that because at this point, you have liberals and conservatives both advocating for vaccine passports and the dissolution of fundamental charter rights. Uh, You've got the liberals currently working to implement interprovincial restrictions, which is in direct conflict with the Charter. So how that works out or affects the election or what have you, I'm sure the legal battles to follow that will be large. But I will own that happily. I will be representing with the PPC. And uh, that's enough of news this hour. It's been a, a wild week. And I will likely start doing... Check-ins throughout the weeks just dedicated to where that's all going. But this week, we are talking propaganda. And if you think you're immune to it or it doesn't, work, I see it, it doesn't, you're wrong. Propaganda is everywhere. And whether you see some of it or see none of it, it will have an impact on you. And we are going to peel back that onion today. So when you hear propaganda, chances are your mind immediately goes to some of the most evident and clear examples that our generation identifies. And, and that's, you look at Nazi Germany, you think North Korea. Maybe if you're particularly in tune, you'll think of modern China even. And, and that's a good place to start. The thing people don't realize is as we look back at history, we can see clearly through the lens of our information and our knowledge. But at the time, it was not so easy to identify. You look at Nazi Germany, and it's, it's cartoons, it's radio ads, and... It generally worked in a in a framework where it would promote positive connections to the Nazi party, and they brought negative connotation to the Jewish people. They would depict them as ill, sick, dirty, criminal, anything to, to belittle them. So propaganda, it, it really works on both sides. It will lift up one side that they're trying to promote, and it will demoralize dehumanize and, and just generally bring down the the opposition and this works on a on a level that's almost subconscious again we look we're we're viewing history here so we don't have that that ability for it to not stand out we know where it led that doesn't mean we know where the stuff we consume today is leading and that's what I hope to focus on here, is I want people to be able to identify... I want to give you the tools to identify the propaganda of today with the retrospective abilities that we use on the propaganda of yesterday. And that is a bit of a shift, and it, it can be tricky. So in today's context, where can we clearly identify where propaganda is used. And I, I would assume everyone's first thought would be either North Korea or China. North Korea being a mostly insulated culture. They're, they're almost shut off from most of the outside world, both by choice and by sanction. And when it comes to their media, they only consume their own media. State-created, state-curated, and particularly choice. They are very meticulous in what they create and how it's created. They will go so far as to kidnap famous actors and actresses, even filmmakers. From We've seen them kidnap stars from China and then keep them captive for 10 plus years just to break them to get them to go along with their agenda. And this doesn't phase the the North Korean dictatorships. And the people don't know any different. They they truly have got to a point where this is all they know. They think their supreme leader is just that. They un- they don't question questioning is it's not even a concept. It's been it's been grown out of them to the point that critical thinking isn't second nature it's it's not it's not a thing it's foreign to them so you live in a society where you don't question authority because that's illegal and can have not only you but your family killed and then the only media you are able to consume is favorable media to the leadership And that is a very brute force way of achieving the means, where you don't really have an option, this is all you get, or you die. But that's today in North Korea. You look at other places that somewhat have more of a hybrid model, like China, where every institution is captured by the CCP and the Chinese government, but there's still... Some level of free market; they have some allowance of outside media. Uh, You do see outside media catering to the Chinese government, in so much as, like Star Wars, for example, they will change the movie poster to conform to more of the Chinese Party's ideals. You'll see an ethnic person shrunk and moved to the background, and somebody else blown up and brought to the foreground. And it's all small things, but it, it all is just small bricks in this, in this giant puzzle. But the power of that puzzle and the power and control of the media is not something people should underestimate. Certainly, it's not something that our current Prime Minister Justin Trudeau underestimates. And don't just take my word for that, he has said a few things on that himself. Now, you sometimes hear about liberal bias in the media these days, how they're constantly letting off our government, letting our government off the hook for no good reason. Frankly, I think that's insulting. It's clear that they let us off the hook for a very good reason, because we paid them 600 million dollars. You don't get stellar headlines like these without greasing the wheels a bit. There's a little bit of truth in every joke. Now, when we talk modern propaganda, before we quite get to modern China or Justin Trudeau, I think it is best to start with the modern grandfather of propaganda, the 28th President of the United States, Mr. Woodrow Wilson. He started what he called the Committee of Public Information. Maybe the inspiration for George Orwell's Ministry of Truth. Certainly see some comparisons between the two. Um, for those of you that really not a commonplace president for most people to know, one thing you will definitely know is that Uncle Sam poster. I want you. It's been memed, it's been satirized, but it is ubiquitous. Everybody knows that poster. And that really is a great start to the modern propaganda. It may not seem like a malevolent force. We wanted to fight the war. We wanted to stand for freedom. Perhaps that perspective is coming from somebody who grew up on the favorable side of this propaganda. We don't view it the same way we view Nazi propaganda. Though the tactics, nonetheless the same. Obviously they had different goals. One succeeded, one didn't. That has an influence on how we view it. But that modern war propaganda really is still around today. You've seen from the Uncle Sam posters through to modern war movies like Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, Top Gun was a huge one. It actually shocked me when I realized that was funded in part by the military. Again, to get a favorable view. You had kids watching this, growing, going out and talking to recruiters. And, man, I had the same thing. I, I watched those movies and thought, damn, this would be fun. But when you realize that it's curated, it's your emotions are being used against you for somebody else's goal, it doesn't always have to be as evil as German propaganda, where they use it to dehumanize and demoralize an entire people. It could be as simple as thinking it's cool to support the military-industrial complex and risk your life, give your, give your life even, f- because it looked cool in a movie. Meanwhile, you're doing someone else's bidding who really isn't being fully transparent with you. You don't really understand the inner workings and the, and the motives that go unspoken. Now, there's certain wars we absolutely should be in. From a political policy objective, I think international intervention is largely not our place, either... Canada or the states. Sure, we owe a certain level, but perhaps the decades of propaganda have lent to a tacit acceptance of too much. Now, another modern propaganda piece that most won't actually realize as propaganda would be Barack Obama's hope campaign. And... A distinction needs to be made because it kind of fell under the radar, probably due to the fact that most of these media companies and government entities are really kind of captured to the left. I say this now with more insight than I did at the time. At the time, it looked like a great poster. It was it was an honestly an effective campaign. And the more I learned about the deep story behind it and and what really happened and how it truly is propaganda was when I realized that that beyond just a campaign art or campaign tool, that was state-generated. They used tax dollars, and there are two independent reporters that did the reporting on this, I can't remember their names off the top of my head. I, I'll put that in the show notes. They were on the casting call, have you, where the National Arts Endowment, which is federally funded, was doing a interview with, with many artists that were highly qualified and talented, and they were discussing and brainstorming and, and curating what would be the campaign imagery. And maybe it's naivete, or maybe it's it's cockiness, where they, they truly think they are above it. And I mean, in this situation, they, they largely were. The story broke, but nothing of consequence came of it. And the effect it had, it's immeasurable. That, that poster was probably the the biggest viral political thing of my lifetime it was huge so by now we can identify what is and may not be propaganda but we haven't really touched on the the tactics or the the malevolence behind it and when it comes to propaganda it can be fairly inert it can be largely harmless or minimally harmful. So, what are some key elements of effective propaganda? And much with propaganda, it generally comes from a dogmatic perspective, it is unquestioning and above reproach. You see this with fake news. Now, I Again, I will own my biases. I have grown to respect certain parts of Donald Trump. But at the beginning, I had no respect. I can admit the fact that I I fell victim to much of the propaganda that was against him. Now, I can call my shots across the bow. He was far from perfect, but he was also far from the evil portrayal we were, all, we were literally all told he was going to be the next Hitler, which, again, looking back, didn't catch it at the time. But obviously that that was propaganda. That was an unfounded claim with no real merit, but it rang. It, it, it rolled off the tongue and it, it landed with a, with a good thud. And nobody really questions it when you invoke such drastic comparisons. Now, I, I have in the past and will continue to invoke those comparisons, but when you do that, you need to be weighted and calculated. It has to be appropriate and fit. To be so casual with that is should have been a red flag for me when I heard it, but I didn't, and that is exactly it. it it's above reproach, and you can't question it. And just to bring that back to Canada, today's propaganda. And again, with COVID, there's certainly propaganda happening. I'm not going to assign to what end or to what malevolence, but the fact is it is happening. You're seeing the governments dictating what is true and what is false and what can be spoke of and what can't. Uh, a good example is the federal Minister of Health, Patty Haidu, um, when questioned in Parliament about vitamin D and its role in weathering the COVID pandemic and, and the implications it has on one's health. And we know, being Canadians, vitamin D is largely, almost ubiquitously deficient among our population it's winter, nine months of the year here, we spend a lot of time inside. We also know that even in the warmest climates, vitamin D is is something that most people lack. Um, And when approached about preventative ingestion of vitamin D, which is a largely safe, over-the-counter thing you can buy, this is what she had to say. Mr. Speaker, the Health Minister has previously questioned my concern for science, and today I return the favour. At least 75 recent studies have shown that optimal vitamin D levels significantly reduce susceptibility to COVID-19 and significantly improve health outcomes if people do get infected. It has been documented for decades that Canadians have suboptimal vitamin D levels, especially during winter. Can the Minister explain why Health Canada's website states that most Canadians are getting enough vitamin D and doesn't actively recommend supplementing? The Honourable Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I would encourage the member opposite to not fall prey to the myriad of fake news articles that are circulating around the internet about ways that people can protect themselves from COVID and trust that the Public Health Agency of Canada only put science-based credible documents up, guided, of course, by our chief public health officer, Dr. Tam, and the many scientists that work for us. Mr. Speaker, what Canadians need now is trust, and they need to be able to trust in the information that their elected officials are sharing, and I would urge the member to get his sources from credible sites. Thank you. So there you have that. The, uh, The unquestionable dogmatic ideas it's you just can't question them their appeal to authority is just next level and and they do it with this cocky air almost and i mean you almost have to i suppose if if you're going to sell lies you have to really put everything into it i suppose but it it exists today and it's it's so invasive that it's it's just everywhere our own health ministers are unable to unplug from propagating propaganda. And that that scares me as to where we are, how the heck we got here, and where we're going. How, how do we stop it? And I think, well, first off, you have to identify it. You have to be able to see it. And despite what the leadership, whatever party it may be, whoever's pushing this propaganda, despite what they say, you have to be able to talk about it. You have to call it, and if you're not one to really see it, next time somebody says it, listen. That's the best thing you can do, is listen with an open mind, because when you're being told, without question, this is wrong, these people are wrong, these are conspiracy theorists, these are wingnuts, or Doug Ford would call us wackos. Now, another tactic that goes hand-in-hand with the dogmatic approach to information is there will generally be a jerking around of dogma. They will change frequently and with little notice. And this is done specifically to keep you beholden to them for the truth. If you have little time to get your bearings... You have little time to form firm and educated opinions on things. Orwell did a good job covering this in his book, 1984, where you would see the Ministry of Truth would reduce chocolate rations to 12 ounces. And then the next day, it would be published that they would increase chocolate rations. And it's just this constant concept of keeping you on your toes but still seeking the information from the ones who are manipulating you. It's, it's this weird, like almost Stockholm syndrome, but it's effective on a large scale. Another thing, and I wish I could find the clip, I, I've looked for it, I can't find it. If I find it, we'll toss it in the show notes, but there's an aspect of isolation that just fosters acceptance of propaganda but also an, a devolution into conspiracy. And, and, and that, that's a double-edged sword. I know I invoked conspiracy as a way to dismiss dissent, and that, that is true. But they use, and we're seeing it now, is isolation under the guise of public safety. Now, we can agree in an outbreak scenario, it could be a useful health measure. However on a mass scale, without a stratified risk to your population, it is more of a social tool than it is a health tool. And in these scenarios, you have people rife to fall victim to conspiracy. You also have people completely just malleable to be formed by whatever information they're being fed The the fear is being pumped and people revert to almost a childlike dependency where they seek comfort and safety from the very people they should kind of probably run from. Because at the end of the day, historically, governments have generally never really had your best interest at heart. The best you can hope for is a lower degree of disregard. And hopefully the last two years have kind of shown people that uh, it really isn't in your best interest to just trust everything you're being told at face value. The psychological tactics and the social tactics, I struggle to find kinder terms, but it really is malevolent at this point the manipulation and the division that's being caused by the camping the siloing of perspectives for people that don't realize there is genuine manipulation happening and again I'm I try to find middle ground I don't need to dive into dismissible viewpoints but whether you completely trust everything the government's telling you, or you dismiss everything they're telling you, the fact is you're both wrong. The The truth is somewhere in the middle, and people can't realize that. They're so twisted, either directly or as an indirect. They, they've so much resistance that they, they cannot accept anything to be true. And certainly... One side of that coin is going to be healthier than the other. But you're no more truly informed than the other. And again, this is we go back to why I really started this. is People need to slow down, remove their emotions, and be critical. Because at this point, it's the only way to stay afloat. And I just, I struggle I really do to find find hope in these times. I, I find myself these days accepting the fact that okay, this is the path we're on. It's it's going to get worse, likely. And and I struggle to admit that to myself. But it in Canada we're at a point where it pretty much has to get worse for it to get better. We have to get to a point where people see it as clearly as I do, and and hopefully if you're listening to this, you see it at least somewhat clearly, as to what's all happening. It's We've shifted from generations of war profiting and, and propaganda to support that. Now, the tactics are very much the same. The difference is we didn't pay the price for the propaganda back then, some people certainly did with their lives, joining up to be the next Top Gun or Matt Damon, and there there was price paid there. But but the real social impact is the devastating aftermath that war has on all these countries that were nowhere near prepared to to fight against the big the big alliances, the states and, and company. So we're almost detached from the, the toll that took. And we can get into that another episode where you look at some of the, the costs and and the fighting back. The the question comes is would there have been September eleventh had we not had such a impact? In the, in the foreign countries we chose to invade over 30 years, 40 years. I would probably lean towards probably not. I also think there's a lot of unanswered questions around September 11th. I, I try to keep an open mind. I don't necessarily pick to, pick a, a finite script. But there's no question that there is an imman- immense amount of hatred for the West in the East. And... You have to be honest with yourself. Can you blame them? Well, it seems like now is our turn to pay the price for propaganda. And maybe now that we're getting uncomfortable, it doesn't have to just be the status quo. Maybe that's what it takes to to break these systems now that it's been turned around. And and again, I try to be middle ground. We, We certainly have a virus going around that, that is 100% real. But at the same time, you would be so naive to think that people have not acted in opportunistic ways to benefit socially, culturally, politically, and financially from the scenario we find ourselves living through. Again, I don't have to say that. You can take that right from our government. I really believe COVID has created a window of political opportunity and maybe an epiphany. That would be Christina Freeland, our Deputy Prime Minister, as well as Interim Chief Financial Officer, as we lost our last one to an ethics violation He was kind of thrown out as a scapegoat for yet another Trudeau scandal, but that is neither here nor there. The fact is, these people are fully well able to tell you what they're doing. That is either how stupid or how cocky they are. At this point, I I probably would lean towards cocky because they have largely gotten away with it. The fact is, there's propaganda everywhere. From every side. So nobody is above it. Nobody is immune to it. But it's to what ends and what means that is really up for discussion. And right now, I think it's imperative to highlight the fact that it's not a good one. That's that's the whole driving force behind me doing this episode, as well as the fact I see us on a slippery slope to tyranny. Which is exactly why I got involved with the campaign I'm working with. It's it's all a giant picture and we're just now piecing together the different parts. And once we can get enough parts, we can zoom out and really see the nature of the beast. That's why I started this podcast is I I don't like what I see. More people need to see it so that I can feel like I'm not crazy. Maybe so I won't be alone when it gets to be that dark. Or ideally, so we can do something about it and change the trajectory. Because alone, I can't do anything. If in the masses, we can change everything. And I think that's what scares the authoritarian leaning people, if if not fully authoritarian, but those that, that lean towards that. There is so much power in numbers. And the truth gets out and is so much more powerful than the lies we get shared. But it takes so much longer. We're getting there. It's slow. If you're if you're like me and there's some dark days, just hold tight. It will get better. It could possibly get worse first, though. And with that nugget, hopefully you guys can see the silver lining and the fact that the curtain is starting to come down. And the way I see it, once we see behind the curtain, it goes two ways. One, we, we take back what is, our, what is our fundamental freedoms and stop the manipulation. Let's get back to common sense, honesty, or we get to a point where they double down. And if they double down, Twice as many people will realize it. Is that going to be enough? I don't know. The best we can do is try. And with that, I'm going to start my week. It's going to be a busy one. I'm going to try and put a hot take episode out midweek this week to touch base on the political climate that is our next federal election. So keep an eye out for that. If you have any questions, my email is in the show notes. Until then, stay safe and take care of yourselves.